welcome to today's episode of The Square. We're going to be talking about the concept of complete communities. And with me today is Tina McCone from our Houston office, where she is a project architect. Thanks for joining us, Tina. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about, actually, before we jump into complete communities, I want to learn a little bit about you and why you're an architect. So was it something that you just always kind of wanted to do or what, how did that desire come about? Yeah, so I was exposed to architecture at a really young age. I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but my parents immigrated to the States from Iran. Uh, my mom studied interior design there, later transferred to Michigan or immigrated to Michigan where she studied architecture. And once she married my father, transferred to LSU where she continued her education in architecture. By that point, she had wanted to start a family and decided electrical engineering was easier and less time consuming. <laughs> so she switched majors, always regretted it. I actually tried to get her to come back to school with me. Um, but because of that, I was exposed to architecture from a really young age, her love and, and passion for art and architecture. And then we were also afforded the opportunity to travel to Iran quite a bit where um, I got to visit Persepolis and Esfahan mm. and a lot of great architecture there. I love that your mom thought electrical engineering was was like the easier, simpler route. Um, I mean, have you taken a studio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so being in the education sector, is there, you know, versus healthcare, commercial, interiors, is there something about education that, that really just captivates you? Yeah, I think with public schools and especially K through 12, you really have an opportunity to impact children's lives at a very young age. Um, kids spend almost most of their childhood in schools and these are schools that we're designing and so the environments that we create for them, um, I think really has a strong impact on their life and I know did on mine um, in the public schools I was able to attend in Louisiana. Um, so I've always kind of been drawn to that as soon as I got exposed to it at Corgan. So in, in that same line of, of trying to use design for impact, tell me a little bit about the Complete Communities Initiative. Yeah, so the Complete Communities Initiative effort, um, I think, started with Mayor Turner. Um, it involves residents, community stakeholders, the city of Houston, um, and the mayor's office and they've identified a series of communities within Houston um, that they are uh, trying to revitalize and um, help bring up, so underrepresented and underserved communities within Houston um, by working with the stakeholders and the residents, which I think is really important when you're talking about uplifting a neighborhood. Uh, and what is it that makes the complete communities initiative a little bit different. You had told me in, in some past conversations that um, there's there's some differences with this one versus other initiatives that are aiming to help the underprivileged. Yeah, so the city of Houston did a lot of legwork that kind of helped the architects in the complete community's design um, get a leg up. And so they've provided us with data books that identified, for instance, different demographics of the communities, what different needs were. And they've also already identified what they referenced as shovel-ready projects. So projects that they knew the community had a need for, 
um, and they knew they needed help kind of generating funding for. And that's where we were able to kind of launch this design incubator and ask architects and designers, and it was open to students. We actually had a wide, a wider range um, of people participate um, to come together and kind of help bring these designs to life and help generate funding for the communities. So you get to be a part of the Complete Community Initiatives, you bring that to Corrigan, and what happens? Yeah, so my introduction to Complete Communities was actually through AIA's Justice for Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion um, Committee or Collective. I'm a co-chair for that, and I got to sit on the steering committee for this kind of design incubator with Complete Communities. I brought it to Corrigan and I just said, I think this is a really important initiative. I'd love for us to be a part of it. I know in some way I was going to be a part of it regardless, but immediately Corrigan was like, absolutely, let's put together a team and go for it. And I was really happy that we did. I love that. So you tell me a little bit about the, the community that you targeted specifically to, to start helping. Yeah, so we actually chose Aleph Westwood, or we requested Aleph Westwood and, and got assigned that community because AJ Sesteta and the Houston office grew up in that community. Mm. Um, and so he had really strong ties to that community. And within Aleph Westwood, our site was actually located on the Westwood side. Um, and after speaking to the community members, there was a really strong concern of safety in that area. Um, so one of the community members brought to light, she has a personal organization uh, that works on this, but there's a lot of human trafficking um, and prostitution in that area. Um, and it's right next to a school. And so our assignment was to design a community center um, for a site that was located adjacent to a church and near a school um, for students in the community to be able to use of Westwood specifically. And where, tell me a little bit about how far into the project you are. The design initiative is over, so to speak. And so now the design is in the city's hands um, and they're doing with that what they can. But we, the process started with us getting the data book and kind of going through the data. We made a cognizant decision not to design anything until we spoke to the community members and understood what their needs were. Um, and so there was a virtual session where we spoke with members of the community who live there, members who used to live there, um, and they kind of told us what the needs of the community were and what they wanted to see come out of the community. So aside from the number one need of safety, Aleph Westwood is a community that a lot of immigrants end up living in. And one thing we heard is people live there and then they leave when they can. So to provide them a space that makes them feel like this is really their home and not a temporary home was really important to us, um, but also to provide an area where um, one of the things we heard, for instance, was we need help filling out forms sometimes. And there are, it's really hard to find offices and services that can help with that. So the community center was kind of thought of not just for the kids or not just the business center for the adults, but holistically for the family. And so we presented the design back to the community and the stakeholders, and now it's in the city's hands. 
Um, it's, it's crazy to hear you talk about the idea of people thinking of their community in just like a temporary way. Like we have so many different companies that are post COVID that are working on retention and trying to keep employees to stay. And this is kind of a similar thing. You've got a whole community where you're trying to keep people to stay there, to invest in the community. No, that's absolutely true. And I think one of the issues is because we don't live there, we don't know what the needs are. And so someone who was currently living there expressed a need for access to grocery stores, for instance. Um, someone else mentioned, no, no, like I don't think we need grocery stores here. But when you asked her where she got her groceries from, it was from another neighborhood. Um, she had access to a car the other resident might not have. And so those kind of differences really help identify what the needs of the community are. So I, I, it's, it's essential to get that input from the community, but what are some of the challenges when you're you know, soliciting and, and taking in feedback like that? Realistically, you gotta kind of, or I guess you gotta let everyone know what the realistic circumstances are, right? Um, we'd love to give people acreages and soccer fields and football fields, but this is the site we have. So let's try our hardest to prioritize, for instance, what the needs are. Not to say that the other needs aren't important, but if you can kind of start having them tell you what the priorities are, then you can create a list of things that you can actually fit into the space. But again, we do that by letting them tell us, not us telling them. We don't decide, hey, we think it'd be really cool to put this here. So even though they said they need um, a business center more, we're going to provide them this football field, for instance. Sure. It's really important sure. to kind of listen to what they need. Oftentimes, I feel like there's a desire to have community input into a design, but that's also a little bit of a double-edged sword. And I know, you know, a lot of of companies will kind of present the idea back versus it being something that's a collaborative effort. And with the Complete Communities Initiative, you're really looking for feedback from the community when it can still have an impact on design. Yeah, I mean, don't you think it's a little unfortunate that most people look at it as a double-edged sword? Because really, who are you doing these designs for? Mm -hmm. You know, public schools are taxpayer money. These aren't our designs or our schools. It's really the community schools. And so I think it's our responsibility to guide them from a technical perspective and to provide insight architecturally. But in terms of what the needs are, that needs to come directly from the community um, and the school districts. Were there some needs that surfaced as you were doing this, this digging for community involvement? Um, for instance, a, a business center, kind of like a co-op where people can start their small businesses in the neighborhoods was something um, that we looked at. And we were told essentially, if you build a space for the children that the parents can use, that'll be a space that the community feels like they can come to, right? Because um, it's not just about parents sending their kids somewhere so they can go do something, Wi-Fi access, for instance. And we saw that over COVID when schools shut down, a place where people can just go use the internet to do online schooling or online work was something that the community needed. Um, so these were some pretty easy services to provide in our design, right? Um, and the program was completely led by the community. So uh, you've given me a couple of examples, but does anything else stand out um, as ways that the community and the collaboration with the community influenced the design? 
Yeah, so one of the first things we did, because we did identify safety within that community meeting as the number one concern for the community. Um, and because this is a community center, you want to design it to have a public entrance. And so we created a very visible public entrance. Um, a lot of glazing was important so people could see out as well as seeing in. And then we also created a more secluded private entrance that students could use after school hours. Um, but when doing so, you want to make sure you're not creating any corners or opportunities for people to kind of hide behind, unfortunately. Um, and so that was one of the first things that we did when looking at the site and how to place um, the community center on the site. So you mentioned that the, the design kind of phase of this is done. What is the expectation of the next steps? So when we were kind of launching this design incubator, the um, primary thing we told firms were we're hoping to use this design to generate funding. Um, now that it's in the city's hands, the city will come back to us if they need any further information. But we had such a great turnout from the stakeholders and the community members. There was one community member that was asking for floor plans already. She's like, <laughs> give me these plans. I'm ready to get this built. Um, so really building the enthusiasm behind the community, I think, was a big part of why we did this initiative. I think there's probably a natural tendency, especially as parents, when you're thinking about your kids, that if there's a school in, in kind of what's deemed an unsafe area, you want to move the school. But there's, there's a real consequence to pulling infrastructure out. Tell me a little bit about that. So that's really interesting because if you take a school, right, and you take it from a low-income neighborhood to a middle-class neighborhood, for instance, and then you bring those low-income students to that middle-class neighborhood, you're taking out the playground, the parks, the fields, all of the after-school activities. They might not necessarily have the means for their parents to come pick them up after school, for instance, to participate in sports. Um, where I went to school, it actually there was a poverty rate of over 30%. Um, and I drove to school. I had the means, my parents had the means to drive us to school. But a lot of people walked. And because the school was located where a lot of walkers were, they were able to participate in the after-school activities. And I think so many times the difference between hanging out and loitering is place. And so mm -hmm. as architects, we have to provide that place for people to be able to go to. Well, I really hope that they're able to, uh, you know, act on that design. And I'm excited about uh, some of the opportunities for input that the community has had. Thank you for sharing with us a little bit. Hopefully what we're going to do is we're going to have you back on, Tina, in a few months once it's gotten funding and it's, you know, breaking ground uh, to, to see it come out of ground. But thank you so much for spending this time with us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And thank you for watching this episode of The Square. If you have any questions or want to learn more, make sure you check out the description below. And don't forget to check out the next episode of The Square. <laughs>